The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grade Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by Colin Drew. This is our game-by-game preview of the main slate on DraftKings and FanDuel. We are sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. Promo code GRID gets you a free wager inside of their Pick'em Contest. And look, if you were all in on Justin Fields and Trey Lance and Tua like me, you're, you're feeling like, shit, I, 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 all my best ball mania teams are screwed. I just, I wake up this morning. What do I get? A notification from Underdog Fantasy that their first in season best ball tournament is live. $10 entry, 100K prize pool, 20K to first. So we're, uh, we're going to chase these losses, Colin, and it's going to be, it's going to be fine. <laughs> you love to see it. You need this, the second chance losers pools, and, you know, it, it keeps you out of the NFT streets for a couple of days. So always good to support our friends over at Underdog. Yeah. All right, uh, let's uh, let's do it. First game, huge game for fantasy purposes. Uh, we have the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. Chiefs, one and two. No messing around for these guys. They got to win 30, uh, depending on your book, 30 and a half or 31 point team total, uh, 23 or 23 and a half, depending on your book for the Eagles. So huge total game. Jalen Hurts, three straight weeks of being a quarterback one two straight weeks of Tyreek Hill being bad. Uh, feels like there's a, just a bunch of different avenues you can go with this game. Yeah, I would say the pricing, it's it's tough to fit the Chiefs double stacks in. There's not a bunch of value yet this week. Stuff usually opens up throughout the weeks. And uh, we've got Mahomes as the overall QB1. The double stacks are tough to fit in, especially in DK. But uh, Tyreek, still, I mean, the target volume, like we expect him to get 23, 25% of the targets every single week. With that, he still has a 35, 40 point ceiling. So he's still a priority spend in tournaments, um, regardless of matchup and regardless of opponent. And this is certainly a plus EV matchup and opponent for him. Yeah. I wonder if two straight weeks of duds from Tyreek, you know, I, I wonder if we're looking at Mahomes 6%, Tyreek 5%, and you just have the highest possible combination quarterback wide receiver grouping at you know, very, very low PO that that's what I think it it looks like. It's, it's tough. I think um, that most likely is to happen if people are going to spend at running back, like people may spend on Devonta Adams at wide receiver over Tyreek. I could see that because he, his ceiling is arguably as high and his floor has been higher this year. So maybe he's the, you know, not the highest on wide receiver. He's not the priority spend there. And then it's just a question of whether or not people are going to spend on Derek Henry and Alvin Kamara because uh, I think usually the choice oftentimes is between like Tyreek or CMC. Now it's probably Tyreek versus Adams and then Tyreek versus those other running backs. Yeah. Uh, all right. And this week, first run, Clyde not making optimals. Part of the reason he's not making optimals is uh, early in the week, we are leaving 
Dalvin Cook out of the projection sounded like he was not close to returning. And also, Sony Michelle just handled 83% of the carries for the Los Angeles Rams and got four targets. So he is showing up as a better value running back. I will say, though, after watching Clyde in that game, feels like he probably, like I would actually feel comfortable going back to him because they, he fumbled. Like he, he should have just been on the bench, right? Like he gave the Chiefs a bunch of reason not to play him. And I would assume he's going to be very low owned this week. Like last week, he was a, a dominant part of the narrative. I don't think he will be this week. Um, so I, I am a little interested in playing Clyde this week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he ended up playing a bit lower at snap count, I guess, as far, um, as far as his like snap share with Darrell. So a little, he lost a little bit of work there. Still just not used enough in the past game. And I know he did catch that touchdown pass, but in general, he's still only seeing five. He's getting targets. no targets. So. He got, he got, he got, he scored on the screen pass last week and then had one catch for negative one yard other than that. So then, yeah, his yeah, usage that, is not changing. Yeah, the Eagle side, I mean, Hurts is priced up. Devonta Smith is now kind of priced up closer to 6K threshold. Still probably a little bit interesting, but um, starting to get expensive. I guess Jalen Rager was the other guy at 4,700 that would hit MME runs. Um, that, you know, has started to see, I think we were all worried about a wide receiver rotation to Philly, and it really hasn't been that. It's been Devonta Smith, Rager, and then they rotate the depth pieces beyond that. Yeah, I mean... Zach Ertz also 3,500, five for 55 and a touchdown last week. Um, Goddard definitely looked better and, and had a drop where he, he would have added more to his totals, but Ertz is definitely not going away. And I, I will be tempted by him this week. All right. Very weird one. The uh, this is the, uh, the immovable object meets the, the whatever, because we have the Washington football team that, has just looked awful on offense, really. Uh, you know, a long Antonio Gibson play is basically all that they got going until pure garbage time against the Washington football team. But Terry McLaurin is making some runs at 6,900 because they play the Atlanta Falcons. Um, so I, I am not really at this point interested in any Falcons player. Uh, I know that uh, Mike Davis is, if you run 100 vanilla optimals, Mike Davis is going to make it into some of them, but I'm not playing Mike Davis. Yeah, he's getting decent workload. It's just been really ugly. And they've been using both him and Cordell Patterson. It's really at the expense of like Kyle Pitts um, and Calvin Ridley to an extent. So the, the Falcon side is definitely a little tough. You do have Ridley at 7K though, which is an enticing price tag. And Washington is definitely giving it up through the air in every matchup that they had. This I mean, season. they've been bad. They're 29th on defense, despite everyone talking about Cal how good they were going to be. Calvin Ridley's price has come down like a thousand dollars from where it opened the season and still feels like a decent opportunity there. Um, on the football team side, I guess like Taylor Heineke, I think if pricing is really tight, is at least a little bit interesting because he is getting like 20 to 25% of the team's carries. He's rushed for a touchdown in both of his starts. He, he is like a low rent version of what Daniel Jones was last week and um, in the same matchup. So I don't think kind of keys like completely out of consideration if pricing stays really tight this week and you can't pay up, but definitely not like a focal point of the slate. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, that's just like the, I, I would probably rather play like a true punt quarterback. Justin I think Fields, then. Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, 
I, I working on projections, I nuked Chicago total plays. I nuked, I nuked yards per pass attempt. I nuked, nuked yards per carry because of how bad they looked last week. And I think he still is like a 17 point projection or whatever, which, um, I mean, I don't, you could argue that that's high, but I, so I'm not throwing away all my priors on Justin Fields because he was bad in one game against a good um, Browns defense. But yeah, I, I'm not, I probably don't, I don't think I'll play any player from this game in single entry or three max um, that all MME type stuff. All right. The Tennessee Titans at the New York jets. So the question becomes at, at this point, does Derrick Henry stay in, in the fourth quarter against the jets? Like that's really the question you're asking is, is Derrick Henry going to get, 28 carries against the jets or whatever. And, and I would actually lean given how banged up they are. Cause I I'm projecting AJ Brown out. I, and how uh, th- this division should be winnable for them. And they, they'd want to think about, you know, not putting 500 carries on Derrick Henry. I would actually lean that he probably, there is some risk of him not getting his normal amount of touches in a blowout. Yeah, I, I guess there's a tiny bit of risk, but um, at the same time, it's the fourth week of the season. It's not like they've put away the division. So you got to win while you can. And I think if, if it's really that big of a blowout, there's a pretty good path to Henry have already like eclipsing hundred yards and having multiple touchdowns too. So uh, again, I'd probably rather spend the, like if you're talking about a flex play where you have this full amount of money, I'd probably rather have Tyree kill than Derrick Henry, but uh, I can see why Derrick Henry would be popular this week. Julio Jones. I think there's some uncertainty. He did, even with AJ Brown going out early in that game, we didn't see, a volume spike for Julio, but if AJ Brown is out again this week and I'd still, you know, think Julio's floor is like 23, 25% of targets and his ceiling is probably like 30%. So be interested in him as a one-off or like a, a single stack with Tannehill. And Nick Westbrook, Akeem 3,200, Chester Rogers, 3,300, Jeff Swain, 2,600. I, I actually think you can throw some darts at those guys because they're early in the week. Again, we're doing this very early, but there doesn't appear to be any like slam dunk values this week. And unless Derrick Henry and Julio Jones account for like 60 or 70% of the offensive production for this team, I would imagine one of those three guys puts up, you know, useful fantasy points probably. I mean, Swaim just ran a bunch of routes. Swaim, I just had a 15% target share last week. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, punting the tight end position, I, I think if you wanted to count on that and it Ferkser's out again, then that would be a little bit interesting. I don't know that the injury status of Josh Reynolds, whether or not if he was active this week. Or I, I don't know what that was back. about. Yeah, like if he would end up kind of eating into like just adding another body to compete with Westbrook Akine and Chester Rogers. So I'm not overly interested in those guys. And then on the Jets side, I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to play them. It's not going to change things, but. I know Elijah Moore is in concussion protocol. So um, I guess you, you've got Corey Davis at 5K. If well, it'd be, Moore... it'd be Barrios, right? Well, and then Barrios, I mean, Crowder was doubtful last week. I don't know. We don't know his status coming into this week or not. But if if um, Crowder was back, he would probably bump Barrios to the bench. Elijah Moore being out, um, would you, I think it just would create a better floor for Corey Davis, who that is going to be one of the better matchups Corey Davis gets. Like bad time. Garbage time against a pretty bad secondary versus garbage time against a good defense. Yeah. Uh, all right. Game of the week. Carolina Panthers minus Christian McCaffrey at the Dallas Cowboys. Now I can already hear the FUD now. Oh, the Cowboys, they went really run heavy two weeks in a row. All these touchdowns for Zeke and Dalton Schultz. And like, this is uh, very rarely do I 
have the better thought than the average fantasy player. Like most of the time I am the average fantasy player, but this is one of the most obvious, like you play CD lamb and Amari Cooper spots ever because they can just flip the switch whenever they want to. And Amari Cooper for some reason is 6,000 and CD lamb is 6,700. I mean, these guys are just total slam dunks. This was the, like you open the slate and you're looking at double stack with a bring back. And this was just the easiest game of all time to make it work. Cause yeah, lamb, Mari Cooper, DJ Moore all can easily have 25 to 35% target share games, like 30 point ceilings on those guys. And they're all easy to click into a lineup without sacrificing anything. So you mix in like Dalton Schultz or Blake Jarwin, if you want as part of the double stack, if you want to put a position or even triple stack deck, I think you can do that. One of the questions I did have for you on the Panthers projections was whether or not, um, well, essentially, what do you think this game total would have been if they were playing with Christian McCaffrey in, instead of Chubba Hubbard and Royce Freeman? And do you feel like that's going to impact the offense overall? Or are you still comfortable buying like DJ Moore in this spot? You know what? Unpopular take. I actually do think it's going to impact their offense. I think that the combination of Hubbard and Freeman, I think those guys are, and, and I don't even want this to be true because I loved Hubbard as a college player, but he looked, I mean, didn't he just look really bad last week? Like he just looked like he, and, and he looked really bad his final year at Oklahoma State too. I, I, I actually wonder if Robbie Anderson has had basically no role. Like I think he has nine targets through three games at this point or something. And I wonder if DJ Moore, I mean, I, I, probably an extra 2% target share slides his way or whatever. But I wonder if Robbie Anderson ends up with a bigger role here and they just end up being super pass heavy, like a 68-32 pass run split or something. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting. We we did see that Hubbard played on 80% of the non-McCaffrey snaps, which was higher than I expected yeah. and handled about 65% of the carries as well as being the guy that seemed to be trusted the most in passing situations. He had 15% of the team's targets, but that was with McCaffrey leaving in the middle of the game. So there is like a non-zero chance that this is the identical situation to what we saw with Mike Davis last year. And so I'm curious how the market will shake out on Hubbard over the course of the week, but I, I think he'll be a pretty interesting candidate this week and a guy that will need to make some pretty important decisions on come Sunday. Yeah. Um, it feels like, you know, it, well, in, in the thing is in years past, you would have opened up this slate on DraftKings and, Chuba Hubbard would have been priced at 5,200 yeah. and if he would have just been a jam and now he's priced at 5,900, he makes it into like a little bit of optimals. I'm surprised that DJ Moore is not making it um, in, in a ton of optimals. Actually. He, he, I, he definitely does when you turn on like some tournament settings and key boosts and stuff like that. Cause you're definitely going to get exposure to Dak and Amari and CD. Yeah. All right. Um, next game, we have the New York giants at the New Orleans saints. Got to be honest, I don't want to play any of these guys. Um, Colin Johnson is pulling through. He saw a bunch of targets and ran a bunch of routes because Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard both got injured last week. I actually think Colin Johnson is kind of good, but I I can't cannot imagine playing him in. I mean, maybe I will. I don't know. If I said I could play Nick Westbrook Akine, maybe I could. The the thing is, is the Saints defense has just choked people. I mean, they just no one gets any offense going against them. And on the Saints side of the ball. Jameis has like 407 passing yards through three games. So it's like the only playable saint is, is Alvin Kamara. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that, especially on the Saints side um, on the Giants side. I think 
there's like a little bit of a risk of like just catastrophic failure, you know, down two wide receivers. Tony did not get good reviews in the preseason and they were hesitant to use him very much before the injury to Shepard. And he'll definitely step in for like all, all the slot reps in the offense. But um, I, it's hard to count on Colin Johnson getting the same role, like regardless of the matchup, even if it was a great matchup, it still would just be tough to count on him getting the exact same role and like out targeting Kenny Galladay. And so um, tough to bet on that. They'll also have some of these other guys, whether it's like John Ross, Dante Pettis, like CJ board, like there's, you know, more time for them now to add depth pieces um, into the rotation next week. If Slayton and Shepard are both out versus responding to two injuries in game, your kind of hand is forced with who's on the bench. Yeah. I mean, what, what about, what about, um, because right now we have Alvin Kamara projected more for Derrick Henry or projected four more points in Derrick Henry. And I, I don't know about that one. Like, like it's like, I know all the inputs are right. Like Alvin Kamara is getting the most insane touches of his career, but it just feels like this is going to be like, this is going to be the game that comes on red zone and you're, you're like changing the channel. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fine. I mean, Kamara's floor is definitely pretty strong, but the ceiling projections, we do have Henry like a full point ahead and that, that seems to jive, I think. Yeah. Uh, all right. Cleveland at Minnesota, surprisingly healthy team total for both of these teams here. Uh, yeah. Cleveland, Cleveland continues to just chuck the ball to its tight ends and it's running back cream hunt had a 22% target share last week. Um, 31% target share for Odell Beckham in his return to the lineup though. Yeah. Yeah. I know it was like, how much, how much did they end up throwing the ball last week? Cause one of the weird things coming into last week, it was just like, nobody had more than five targets. So even if guys were taking over like quote unquote, big target shares, it just in the specific week, it was just nothing. So I guess Beckham nine targets. That's the highest we've seen this year. Didn't seem like his usage was scaled. I, I wonder if that's close to the highest targets he's had as a member of the Browns, to be honest. So I mean, it feels like he's probably a safe bet for like eight to 10 targets and um, the totals yeah. for both teams and for this game, like 52 total for the game. It suggests it should be back and forth. It doesn't feel like the type of game that'll be back and forth, but I probably need to give it a second look for tournaments just because of the the total in this game. Yeah. Uh, oh, I mean, Odell, his 2018 season, um, you know, or his 2019 season was good, but he did absolutely nothing basically in the games he was active last year. So obviously Dalvin cook news, pretty critical. Um, I think that we saw pretty massive usage for Alexander Madison in every time, like, you know, that cook has been out, they lean on one guy. And I think it's now been three times. And, you know, he, he is typically seeing 65, 75% of the team's work was heavily targeted last week in the past game too. And they have a good game script um, or a strong total at home. So um, yeah, I think the Minnesota guys definitely have to react to the cook news. And then uh, I think we're always going to be at least a little bit interested in Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, because it seems like it's always running through one of those three guys, whoever's at running back or those two wide receivers. Yeah. I will say sometimes you, you see this where the injury replacement running back comes in does well is really high owned and then just because it's not like the fresh new thing they find themselves like 20 percent owned instead of 40 percent owned or well, whatever prices yeah it's tough i mean like because Najee harris had the 20 target game last week and he's you know 6900 madison's priced like uh like his workload's now priced in for sure even if you could argue maybe it wasn't last week and now it's probably a tougher matchup they're at home their totals lower and he his price is higher so i do agree with you I, I think he's a jam again. I mean, he was used a ton in the passing game and he, you know, did very well with it. 
um, you know, got the bonus and everything. I, I, I will be coming back to jam Madison this week. Also Kirk cousins, uh, you know, double stack with like Conklin or one of the wide receivers. Conklin had a 20% target share last week. And is, I mean, he's 3,500, so we got a price boost, but yeah. Well, I'm always, been, I'm always touting really the good. cousins, cousins, double stack, handheld double stacks when the field's on. Yeah. The running backs for those teams. And yeah, cousins has got there twice now to start the season. Yeah. Um, all right. Moving on the Detroit lions at the Chicago bears. I don't know, man. What's the, what's, I don't know. So what it, well, I guess we don't know for sure who's going to start a quarterback this, this week, right? So that they, they aren't committing to anything. We don't know the health of Andy Dalton. We don't know the health of Justin Fields. And we don't know if, depending on the answers to those two questions, if it'll be false. But I guess just for like sake of, of content, what are you going to do with Justin Fields if he's healthy in the starter? I mean, so the thing is, is that I, he's like a better cash play then he is a tournament play because you don't feel that he has access to those really crazy outcomes. Oh, I think know? the opposite. I think I think that it would be a really risky cash play because if he's injured coming into the week, he played horribly in their first game. My buddy texted me like halfway through the game and they had only run like 15 or 20 plays, just like an insanely low number. But um, I, th- there would be like risk of in-game benching there, which I think would open like would just take him out of consideration for cash probably uh yes yeah i mean i i'm not like but but can he get to 30 though i mean i mean he's 5k he doesn't really have to he can definitely get to 25 i mean he he can easily run for a touchdown in 40 yards and it's also so cheap to stack him darnell moody's 3900 and cole Komet is 3k so you can do a skinny stack there spend almost no salary so I'll be pretty interested in tournaments if it is Justin Fields. Yeah. Um, okay. So on the Detroit side, DeAndre Swift has a 19% target share through three games. And it just looks like that's how their offense is, is going to run. Um, and the Lions defense, we never talk about defense on the show, but that's the chalk cash game defense at 2200 for sure. Yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah. DeAndre Swift, I've probably been, I mean, like, bottom enough in best ball i probably was like scared off of the name baltimore ravens in the matchup last week more so than i should have been but yeah deandre swift has seen really strong volume and um oh yeah i think he's in play yeah um and what about what about hawkinson i mean hawkinson the two really strong weeks of target volume and then does does absolutely nothing i get like hawkinson and Pitts are probably the two guys that i just expected to command a little bit higher of a share than they have so far not that it's been bad for Hawkinson like 18% on the season but definitely hasn't been like alpha usage and so uh like his price is I mean it's expensive right and we're usually looking to punt the position or pay up for one of the studs and I don't think we're getting a consistent enough performance out of him to justify paying 5800 yeah all right um I probably won't play anyone from Indianapolis at Miami but Jonathan Taylor is now getting to the range on DK at 6300 where I'm like shit I don't know maybe I just need to suck it up and do it because you you know that if they get ahead in this game like teams have gotten up on Miami the last two weeks he just is going to go to town I mean he, he could get 25 rushes in this game yeah I thought I thought you might be a little bit more interested in Michael Pittman than it sounds like you are just because I, I just don't not want to play any Wentz 
wide receivers. I just, uh, it's, it's same. And I would be, I would be pumping dolphins wide receivers bags here if Tua was in, but I just, I mean, I just feels like a maybe waddle, but I mean, I, I can't play fuller and I love Will Fuller. Yeah. I, I feel like Pittman's more in play than you are, I guess. Like a, we're talking about like a 10 target, a game wide receiver, the, the game environment's not good by any means, but um, if you have someone who's, yeah, like projecting for 26 to 30% of the team's targets, sub 6K, it feels like, yeah, at least got to consider it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably, he's probably fine. I don't know. I mean, I, like, I, I can't, I'm not going to FUD. I'm not going to FUD Michael Pittman. Um, yeah, what the Col- about- The Colts what about, too, I think it's in play here. If, if you want to start yes. talking about D on the show. <laughs> yes. So Waddle is, he, he gets the Edelman Award from last week, but Waddle's targets- five eight and 13 he has 22 receptions through three games i mean i if they're gonna if if waddle is gonna be a player that i think is good and they're gonna do the rondell moore thing with him but he plays 90 percent of the snaps at 4900 it does feel like a guy who is in play yeah definitely a, a tough one to get a read on i guess well we can talk like will fuller did play 60 percent of the snaps in his first game back so that sign was at least positive he did miss on a, a deep target that if he had connected on it game log would have looked differently but it seems like he's not going to be at least to start he's going to be easing a little bit he's not going to be playing like 90 percent of the snaps and he's not necessarily going to get consistent target volume so it does seem like waddle is going to be that type of player, the targets in general are probably inflated just because of the OT game. And it was like the full length of overtime. Um, so that would be the only concern I have with what you said. Yeah. Um, okay. Moving on the Houston Texans at the Buffalo bills. Uh, I mean, I'm not playing any Texans. I no, you know what? That's not true. Anthony Miller could be the, uh, the KJ Osborne, Marquez Callaway, you know, the, the 3k wide receiver who people play this week. He played 65% of the snaps last week, got six targets. He's 3,700, you know, I don't know. He, he would, I, I'm not, as it not even as a bring back, but just as a guy, I think you can play. Yeah. I like, I, I like Mooney better at the same price. I guess if you're talking game stack, maybe you could do it, but you could probably also just, double stack Josh Allen and call it a day. Like I, I definitely think for this game, it's not one where you need to force it. bring back the price tag on cooks is fairly premium considering their game total. Um, I don't know. I mean, the, I think people will probably not be on Josh Allen just because it is projected to be a blowout, but I was at least a little bit like surprised that they kept the foot on the gas as, as long as they did against the football team. And so I think, yeah, there's a chance that in the fourth quarter, you're not getting a lot of production out of them. But uh, I think like Allen cracked 300 yards by the third quarter against the football team. And I don't think there's a reason he can't do it in this spot again. And a pretty easy double stack just with with Diggs, Beasley and Sanders getting the majority of the volume. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I think that seems I think that seems pretty reasonable. I mean, I, I guess the the one thing we haven't seen yet this year is we have not seen uh, a digs true blow up, right? We have not seen 14 targets, 10 receptions, 170 yards, two touchdowns. And, you know, with, with Cooper cup, right. I mean, the Cooper will, we'll get to him in a second. And with Tyreek on the slate, I wonder if Diggs is going to be more like 5% owned. And I don't think there's any reason to believe that he doesn't have that same absurd ceiling he had last year. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's like way too early for ownership projections to be accurate, but the the V1s had him like six and a half percent. We have his optimal line of probability at about 13%, which would make him one of the stronger leverage plays. So I think that's what like efficient ownership looks like for Diggs would be 13%. We'll see if he gets there. Uh, all right. Arizona, LA, 25 team total for Arizona, 30 team total for the Rams. Oddly enough, DeAndre Hopkins is not getting targeted. I don't know if he's banged up. I don't know what the deal is. Well, he was questionable going into last week with the ribs, but um, I don't know how much of that was variance versus the injury. Their their target distribution is 18 for Hopkins, 18 for AJ Green, 17 for Chase Edmonds, 17 for Christian Kirk, 15 for Rondell Moore, 11 for Max Williams. Like it is very evenly distributed, and I don't know how well that holds. Yeah, it's definitely one of the, the we talk about projection volatility and just football being a volatile game. Some weeks there are weeks where the inputs themselves are pretty volatile, and it does feel like that way with the Cardinals. Like they added enough new pieces in the offseason that you can make an argument that maybe DeAndre Hopkins is not going to get like a 27% target share the rest of the season, even if he's healthy. But um, you could also argue that it's just early season variance. He was a true game time decision last week with the rib injury going into that game, ended up playing, but I ended up playing like a decent amount. It's, it's not like he played on like less than 50% of the snaps or anything, but wasn't heavily targeted. Um, I don't know. It, it feels bad to not be super interested in Kyler in this uh, spot, just because the game total is one of the highest on the slate, but just the pricing and the question marks about stacking him have me a little bit gun shy. Yeah. Um, all right. So on the Ram side, we're projecting Daryl Henderson out right now. Uh, unfortunately, I think Sony did well enough last week that, um, oh, when man. I was, when, I was like, I had this like epiphany that Sony Michelle was just going to be like Todd Gurley and that he was going to be used in the passing game. And he ended up playing like 80% of the snaps. He was targeted four times, had 20 carries and still just couldn't get there at all. So I feel like I missed out on the opportunity at 1% ownership. I do think you're right. If Henderson's out that better matchup plus the proven usage from last week will funnel a ton of people into the play. Yeah. I mean, and, and I mean, we got to talk about Cooper cup 7,800. He's breaking every slate he's in. He leads the NFL in receiving yards. He leads the NFL in receptions and he leads the NFL in receiving touchdowns. I I mean, he's 7,800 now. Robert Woods is down to 5,300. What are we, what are we doing? Shout out to Yahoo, by the way. We don't have ownership projections for Yahoo. And so because of that, it breaks my process for making tournament lineups in the optimizer. But there was a ton of overlay last week, guaranteed 250K overlay this week on Yahoo. And uh, because of that, I actually got to jam Cooper Cup on one slate and ended up uh, winning 10K over there. So shout out to Yahoo. It's going to be one of the things where if you if Cup is low owned, he's just not going to do it. It's going to be the week that Robert Woods goes off. <laughs> if Cup's high owned, I don't think people are going to chase him though. I don't think people are going to pay seventy eight hundred dollars. I don't Cooper know, Cup. man. I think I think that DFS players have gotten sharp, but I don't know if they've gotten sharp enough to to get off someone that's fed them so well for three weeks. Yeah. Yeah, and then with the Sony Michelle projection, I think the we talked about it a little bit last week because when the Henderson news came out, definitely we're getting a little bit more Michelle than we expected. And really, there are two ways that I think he fails in this spot. One is if he loses the workload, which I don't expect to happen. The second is just if the run-pass ratios are off and they continue to pass as high above expectation as they have, and that would kind of funnel 
um, more production away from the passing game, more production away from Sonny Michelle and kind of keep him closer to like a, a 15 to 18 touches. And maybe he scores a touchdown, but doesn't crack the hundred yard bonus and only has two catches. And so I think those are like the past to Sonny Michelle failing. I, um, if Darrell Henderson does come back, I feel like Michelle was productive enough in both the, the games that he played in that he probably have some role more so than what we saw the opening week of the season. So um, definitely some moving pieces to, to play with there. And I, I feel like I'm going to play Robert Woods again this week, sadly. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like he is, I mean, I don't know, like maybe he has another bad week and he's 4,800 next week, but I just, it just feels like. I still have 23 targets through three weeks. Right. So he's getting like seven, eight targets a game and he just hasn't had like the production, but like he's yeah. still playing 90% of snaps. Like he hasn't really had a role change. Yeah. All right. Seattle, San Francisco, uh, the Seahawks project the way that they always do. Um, slightly lower team total, slightly more difficult matchup this week. Um, certainly, I think Metcalf and Lockett are very good leverage one-offs. I am projecting Elijah Mitchell to be back this week for the San Francisco 49ers. If Mitchell does not come back, are you interested in playing Trey Sermon? Um, I am not but he did get the goal line carry last week. I mean, Kyle Juszczyk had his career high in snaps and, and touches last week. So I think that shows us what they think about Trey Sermon. Yeah. I, I think they, they are fine with Trey Sermon, but definitely saw Juszczyk playing the running back position in the shotgun quite a bit. That was not something I necessarily expected. I think, yeah, Juszczyk played more than 50% of snaps. Sermon played on um, about 55%, I think. And he did receive 46% of the team's carries. So I still like that feels like fine as far as how you're projecting him. Um, I don't think he's going to be a screaming value, but I, I do think he'd be, at least be in play on the slate. I think yeah. that it seems like they don't trust him in pass protection. It seems like they maybe don't like him as a pass catcher. So it feels like you're kind of maybe capped at like 12 to 14 carries versus some type of massive workload. Yeah. All right. Um, and then Jimmy I, G, like, I, I feel uh, like I can't, I want to like Jimmy G against Seattle, but it's just no. like now two out of three weeks, we've seen Trey Lance come in last week. We saw him, he's succeeded, I guess, on like two thirds of the touches he's had in the red zone packages. Last week, we saw him come in twice instead of just the opening week. We saw him, I think once we didn't see him in week two. So I think there's like enough risk of trolling that I'm pretty gun shy about playing Jimmy Garoppolo at all. Uh, I mean, the reason why I would be gun shy is Lance eats into his TD equity. So it's just like, you know, but I mean, it, because Jimmy G going from uh, one touchdown to two touchdowns, like that's the ladder he would need. And you just feel like if the 49ers offense is rolling, Lance probably gets one of those touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I think Brandon Ayuk, I guess, is another guy. 5K, I think is going to be pretty interesting. Um, he He did play like a, a starter's workload in the last game he played as much as Debo Samuel did and um, he was targeted 16% of the time I don't know if that's gonna go away but it, it seems like he at least found his way out of the doghouse for a little bit and isn't gonna lose quite as much work to uh, Trent Shurfield moving forward yeah Ayuk uh, I actually am very interested in I think you could argue that uh, that our numbers are perhaps a little low on him so I am um, yeah I'm, I'm definitely very interested in playing him all right uh pittsburgh green bay usual suspects project very well for green bay aaron Rodgers, Devonte adams aaron jones adams hitting a ton of optimals at 7900 as he should i think your interesting questions for this game are 
what it, what is actual realistic expectation for Najee Harris's past game involvement? Is it six receptions? Is it 10? I mean, Big Ben threw 53 passes last week. You'd probably take the under on that, but I mean, I don't know. Najee Harris could, could just be their leading wide receiver. That, that could happen given how bad Ben's arm is. Yeah, so Juju Smith-Schuster left the game as well. So we need to monitor Deontay Johnson news. We need to monitor Juju Smith-Schuster news. James Washington played close to an every-down role just with both of those situations unfolding the way that they did. Um, I mean, Najee Harris, I don't think you can project him better than like 22% of targets as far as that's like the pure ceiling, I feel like, because even – like peak CMC over the course of the course of a full season. He was like a 22 or 25% target guy. And, you know, Kamara, these exceptional backs who have done the, the pass catching workload for so long, still cap out at a certain level. And so I think it's hard to give Najee anything above that, but, but he's not coming off the field either. So it, it does feel like the usage could be like at that CMC level. Um, yeah, no, I, I think you, I think you are right, other, but I just, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, the other so if you could play one receiver, Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams, who do you think you would play this week? Tyreek Hill. Um, I feel like I feel like uh I feel like Tyreek Hill just you know it's and they're like coming into the season, there was definitely concerns that there would be some regression with Devontae Adams as far as how he was used and specifically around like the goal line as like the goal line wide receiver. And at least through the first few weeks, like that should be pretty dispelled. I mean, they were, they were running stuff from the one, two yard line specifically for Devonta Adams last week, like his target share last season was 34% over the course of the season is 38% to start this season, including 50. He had, he had a 50, so, 58% target share in a just, game. Just absurd. So I, I mean, that, I think if I can only play one, of... it's Devonta Adams. Cause I think like the floor is so high. The ceiling is massive too. Maybe not quite Tyreek Hill ceiling, but it's it's right up there. But what was what was Tyreek's target share in week one when he blew up? I mean, he had like a 40% target share that first week too, yeah, where it's like I, th- I just, he can do the same thing. I just th- don't think Devonta Adams has like a, a five target game in the range of outcomes the same way Tyreek Hill might. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, next game, our last game, the Baltimore Ravens at the Denver Broncos. Super low team total here. I mean, this game environment is just gross. I wonder, I mean, how often are you going to see Lamar at 3% on? It's like the worst possible game environment, but it's like, it doesn't like, I mean, Lamar can break off a 60 yard touchdown run against anyone. I don't think it really matters. Yeah, I was, his was definitely the most jarring projection when, I just kind of looked at where he slotted in. It's like ceiling projection. We have comparable to Jalen Hurts, which I guess like thematically makes sense a little bit. Um, I think the issue with Lamar is like, even if he finishes as the highest scoring player on the slate, if he doesn't check off multiple pieces of the roster alongside it, it's like winning the quarterback position by four points or something just doesn't provide that much utility. And it's hard to see him winning the quarterback position in this matchup by like 10 points. So I think the only way, Lamar gets interesting as if he brings along multiple pieces with him and like the pass volume against Denver just doesn't seem like it's going to be there. So I still think you could pick up like, I mean, it was so tilting Marquise Brown last week could have had 200 yards and two touchdowns. If he just, just caught the ball, just caught the ball open. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I mean, I had some interest in Marquise Brown, some interest in Mark Andrews, but um, probably, probably not playing much beyond that. Yeah. What about on the Denver um, side? So they 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 lost Judy, they lost KJ Hamler. Um, 
Yeah, I got your I got your play. Albert O, dude. Albert O. <laughs> He's he Albert O is 2600 and he played 56%, 54% and 43% of the snaps. He has eight targets. I would imagine because they're now down to Deontay Spencer and Kendall Hinton in their wide receiver room, I would imagine the most natural thing for them to do, especially in this matchup, would just be to play a lot more 12 personnel, which is what they did in week one against the Giants. They just played a bunch of 12 personnel. So I, I think I, I'm I normally when I tout Albert O, I'm joking, but like I actually think he is You'll legitimate. Like I, I think I think he is a legitimate single entry play this week. Yeah. Yeah. I would and I'll, I'll probably end up playing some Tim, Tim Patrick, not quite as sexy, but he was pretty productive throughout the course of last season. And I think seems like he's going to, he's going to be an every down player again now with all the injuries they've had at the position. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there we go. That's all the games. I mean, we, we have, uh, we are getting to the point of the season where we're starting to sweat injuries now, like where there are going to be lots of guys who are questionable, lots yeah, of guys who are sitting Sunday morning. Who we Probably don't not know as many play. questions. It seems like the late games are at least, clean uh probably the biggest one piece of news we'll be waiting on is Darrell Henderson versus Sonny Michelle if we don't get that news early but I think things are pretty clean in Baltimore Denver Pittsburgh Green Bay I guess the Pittsburgh wide receiver situation could be a bit murky um but beyond that I think we'll be looking at like relatively clean slate at after lock at 1 p.m yeah um all right there we go everyone dailyroto.com we'll update the projections all week uh make sure you download underdog fantasy promo code grid Hop in the new best ball tournament, and we'll be back tomorrow. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now, there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest internet, with faster speeds rolling out every day, and internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. So, while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement, while another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next-generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.